The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. We've been looking, beginning last week, at a new series where we're going to talk about the church. Every year in January and part of February each year that uh, while the Lord uh, has me here, we are going to continually go back and re-ask the questions, why do we exist as a church? Why are we gathered together? Why did God in his providence so many years ago hold together this little band of people uh, to gather in his name to become and to form Hilton Head Presbyterian Church? Why are we here? What's our purpose? What's our vision? What's our mission? How are we doing? Let's assess these things. Uh, Let's not just shoot an arrow up against a wall and then walk up and write a target around it and say, see, we hit the mark. But let's determine together prayerfully what's the mark of the church? Where are we supposed to be aiming? And then assess our ministries, assess our lives, uh, assess all that we do according to the goals and the mission and the vision of God himself, given to us through his word and now empowered by his Holy Spirit that we would see and know. And we're looking and we're talking about uh, the life of the church and the mission of the church in such a way that last week we said, uh, Jesus came and in his high priestly prayer he said, Father, as you sent me, now I send them. That we recognize that we are a sent church. Uh, that we are on a mission, that we are called to go out to people, that we were never called to simply gather together. As a friend of mine used to say, uh, that we weren't to be sponges where we sit soaking sour. Uh, that we didn't just come, I mean, you know, have you ever picked up your dish soap or your rag in your kitchen? It's the nastiest smelling thing in your house because it's sat, it's soaked, and now it's just soured. And Christians have that fragrance to the world around us so often, sadly. We just smell badly because we don't recognize that we're called to go out with the good news, that we're called to take that life that's been poured into us to be wrung out within the world around us and to give that water of life to the people who are there, then to come back in each week and to come back in daily, to come back into God's word, into fellowship with God's people, to sing God's praises and to be filled again, then to go back out and to be wrung out and to be used up and to come back. You see, we're on a mission. We are sent out to go and do these things. And we have to understand that everything we have uh, is to to go and to accomplish this mission. Everything that we have is to accomplish this mission. And so we're looking today uh, a little bit different that uh, as we go out, we need to know some principles and some values that we hold as we go out on this mission. And we're going to look at uh, John chapter 10. It's Jesus' famous words of being the true shepherd of the flock, uh, that he comes and he speaks to uh, his, his followers, his disciples. And then what we're going to see within the context of this is seven things, and they're very singular. We're very singular with our purpose. We're very singular in this. We have one shepherd. We have one mission. We speak with one voice, that we have one door, one message, one power, one flock. That there are seven things that we're going to see out of this passage, and we're going to unpack those a little bit together uh, today. So if you have your Bible, open it to John chapter 10, and let's read together. Let's first ask God's blessing. Father, take these simple words. Would you lift them powerfully by your Spirit and apply them to our hearts? Would you convict and convince? Would you soothe? Would you challenge? Would you clarify? But above all else, would we see Christ? Would we see him and submit ourselves to him through his word? This we pray in his name and to his glory. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, uh, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know, they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves and the sheep leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Lord loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Amen. The key verse within that passage that I want to highlight is verse 16, where Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. You see, Jesus was saying again that he had a singular mission, that he had a singular focus, that he understood that there were more sheep. In the context of the writing of this and the speaking of this passage, he was speaking to Jewish believers and saying to them, folks, this isn't just about Jerusalem. This isn't just about Israel. There are other sheep. There are Gentiles. You are the product, by the way. We are the product of Jesus' mission. Where he said, I'm not staying just... Uh, in Israel, but my word and my mission is going out into all the world, into the Gentile nations, and in the mystery of the gospel, I'm bringing together people uh, who could never come together otherwise. I'm going to have one church, one body. We're going to talk about that. So the first thing that we see in this singular focus, we need to have purpose. We need to understand uh, why we're, uh, we're doing what we're doing. We need to understand these values and to hold them dearly and to be able to articulate them and understand them and to consider what we do against this standard. And so the first thing that we see there uh, is that we have one shepherd, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I am the shepherd, capital T. He says, there are other shepherds. There are other false and counterfeit shepherds are out there. But I want you to know that there is one true shepherd. And you need to be able to identify this true shepherd. How do you identify the true shepherd? Do you know Jesus well enough that you can identify him when other counterfeit shepherds, other counterfeit ones come into your life and try to lead you away? And the way that you do is Jesus says this, I'm the only one who came and laid down his life for you. 
No other shepherd has come and has laid down his life for you. Every other shepherd, every other hireling, every other counterfeit that's out there, when push comes to shove, they're going to desert you. When everything else starts to fall apart, they're going to desert you. Isn't it fascinating how often when you look and you read uh, in the midst of cults that you find the cult leader is simply the one who always seems to make it to the end when he calls others to die. That the leaders are somehow the ones who it applies to everybody else to die in his name or her name. But it doesn't apply to them. Jesus says, I'm the true shepherd. And you can look at me and know that I'm the one who had the costly love for you. My love for you was so costly that it cost me my life. Consider everything else. Consider everybody else who in your life is saying, follow me, follow me, and I'll give you life. Follow me, and I'll take care of you. Follow me, and I'll do all of this. Look and ask the costliness of their love. When it gets really costly, what's it gonna, what does it look like? And Jesus said, the costliness of my love is not mere sentimentality. It is true love. And the love is this, that I laid down my life for you. I saw the wolves coming, and I stood in the path. I saw the others coming to try to destroy you, and I took it upon myself so that you'd be safe. You say, we have one true shepherd. Do you know this shepherd? Do you recognize him and see within him a beauty that you'll never find anywhere else? A strength and a majesty and a meekness and a humility brought together that no other man could ever bring together. Nothing else could ever come together in that way. Jesus was this unique shepherd. And so when we go out and we talk about being on mission and we talk about going out, we're presenting one shepherd, one voice. We're presenting Christ Jesus only. There is an exclusivity to Christianity that repels so many people. But instead, it should be a beautiful thing to say, but we know this one shepherd. He's made himself knowable to us, and he's not like any other shepherd. Look at this one, Jesus, who came, who was God, who didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, becoming in the very likeness of man, and that he lived among us, and he died among us, and was raised from the dead. That This Christ is the unique, good shepherd. He says, everybody else are just hirelings. Everybody else will desert you and ultimately will lead and destroy you, but this one will stay with you in that way. We have one shepherd. We have one shepherd. We have this one shepherd who's called us to one mission. I mentioned it there in verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also that they will listen to my voice. You see, the mission of Jesus Christ, we've said over and over and over again, was to come to seek and save the lost. Jesus came into this world to seek that which was lost. Jesus came into this world to find us and to free us from the bondage of sin and death, to give his very life. And so we are on that same mission. Matthew 28, go ye therefore into all the world, making disciples of Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth, and all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and I now give it to you. So you get to go out in my name, but you are on a mission. You are going out into the world, and you're called to lead people to faith in Jesus Christ. That's our mission. That's why we're here. Finish this statement for me. To know Christ and to... You know, that's what we're supposed to be about. To know Christ and to make Him known. To go out into the world and make Him known. Tomorrow night, 6.30, I'd ask you to pray. Pray for the leaders of your church, the officers of your church. The deacons and the elders are going to gather together every third Monday of every month 
And we are going to be making decisions and we're going to consider and we're going to look at the vision and values and the programs and the staff and everything about this church. We look at and we ask, is it accomplishing a singular mission? Is it accomplishing what God has called us here? And that is to see lost people come to faith, to see the disenfranchised brought in, to see the marginalized brought into the center, to go out into where people are hurting. Are we willing to go and to do these things? This is our mission. Are we willing to go and to do that? I remember that Randy Pope from Perimeter Presbyterian Church in Atlanta came and preached a number of years ago, predated me. And he basically stood up in this pulpit, this pulpit, he stood up in the pulpit over the other church, it's no longer there, and he basically asked this question, how many of you have come to faith in the last year? And evidently only a few people raised their hand, if any. He said, how many of you come to faith in the last three years? And no one raised their hand. And he said, how many of you have come to faith in the last five to ten years? And few, if any, raised their hands. And he said, what are y'all doing here? If we're not seeing through the ministries of our church, the lost come to faith, what are we doing here? If we're not seeing the witness of Christ expanded because this church is here, then we have to ask the question, are we accomplishing the second part of our vision? Are we making known the good news of the gospel? To the world around us by the power of Christ in us. We have to ask that. And we can be busy with all kinds of other things because there are lots of counterfeit missions. Listen to this. Revelation chapter 3. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write the words of him who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And to the angel of the church of Laodicea, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich and I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. We could be really busy. We could have tons of life groups. We could have tons of Sunday schools. We could come and we'd have to go to two, three, four services on Sunday morning. We could have that building over there. We could do all of this stuff. We could be busy. And the Lord says, but if you're not busy for the right things, what are you doing? If you're not accomplishing the mission for which I've called you, and that is to see lost people coming to faith, to have such compassion on the world around you, that it breaks your heart. When you see friends and family members, loved ones who don't know Christ. If we're not accomplishing our mission, if we get over to that other structure and we just blow it out. I mean, there are people everywhere and it's awesome. And there are just kids running everywhere and there's Sunday school classes going and youth happening and all of this stuff. And in a year's time or in two years time, we ask the question, how many have come to faith through the ministries of this church in the last couple of years? And we still have no one raised their hands. Here's what we probably should do. Let's give that property to a church that would actually use it for the right purpose. Because we don't want to hear from the Lord to say, you've been so busy. And everybody notices your wealth. And your great property. And your playgrounds. And your music. And your sermons. Oh, you've got so much activity going on. Too bad you haven't done what I called you to do. We have one mission. One singular 
mission corporately and individually. I'm convicted by it. I'm convicted by this when I prepare it and when I stand up here because I know this. I've got a cul-de-sac full of neighbors. We have a cul-de-sac full of neighbors. Carmen's my next-door neighbor with Dale and her family. Are we reaching them for Christ? Are we concerned that they're not involved in a fellowship? Are we inviting them into our homes in such a way that they would see Christ? Uh, are we willing to be embarrassed? Are we willing to be, to be rejected? Are we willing to do these things so that they might come to faith in Christ? We're on a mission. And Jesus says you have one mission. You have one shepherd on one mission. And you speak and you have one voice. That there's a voice that we have to listen to. He says... Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the doors but climbs in another way, he's a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out, for they know my voice, for they go out and the sheep follow him and the stranger will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you know the voice of Christ? Can you hear it so well? That when you hear him speaking to you, and by the way, he still speaks. He still speaks through his word. He still speaks powerfully by his Holy Spirit, confirming that word uh, into your heart. And he speaks, but can you hear it? I read uh, an article that said, when I do this, when I put my hands up to say, touchdown or praise the Lord, in between my hands, there are 45,000 at least different voices going on between cell phone between radio frequencies and TV frequencies and all of these different things. There are voices bombarding you every single day. There are voices and are calling you to make a choice to follow them, to lead them. That if you just do this, there's that wonderful one that you hear regularly and it's of an investment company. That if you just follow their voice, there'll be a little wonderful green line. And as you follow that green line on, then at the end of that will be the leprechaun and you'll have the pot of gold and all life will be happy because you'll have enough money. At the end of the day, then you'll be happy and you'll follow that voice and you'll do everything. There's the voice that says to these young ladies in our school, if you look a certain way and you date a certain kind of boy and you give yourself away and you're embraced by that boy, then and only then, then you're going to find life. And to these young men, I've just been appalled as I speak to my older sons and I hear what's going on on the college campuses uh, and I speak even to my ninth grader who's at this wonderful institution. And, and I hear what's going on in the lives of these boys and what they're about. And they're listening to voices that are saying, this is it. Accomplish this. View women like this. Take this drug. Drink this drink. Do this. Be this. And then there's so many voices that are saying to us, do this. This is your mission. But do you know the voice of Christ? so well that when you hear him speak you raise up and you follow him you go that's the voice above every other voice that I hear my sister and I were talking recently my father as I've said before passed away almost 20 well 22 and a half years ago now and the thing that I forgot so fast was his voice and she said that she was listening to a tape, a cassette tape series uh, of him preaching through Romans. And she said, it was so good to hear his voice again, Bill. And I was like, I don't have any of his tapes, but I want to get them because I've forgotten his voice. And as I was thinking, I wondered if somehow in God's providence, 
that my dad was standing behind that curtain and he spoke. I bet I know it. You have a God who's not standing behind curtains. You have a Savior whose voice speaks to you. And he says, here I am. Follow me. Don't listen to all those other voices that are out there. But follow me. Because every other voice is going to lead you to death and to destruction. And to everything that you don't want. But I'm a voice that will lead you to life. And to a fullness of life. I'll lead you in and out of pasture. And you'll be safe if you hear my voice. And so the question has to become to you today, to us, do you know the voice of Christ? Will you hear it? Will it speak? Will it just resonate? I know if I heard my dad's voice, I'd hear that, hey, Billy, I'm home. And I'd be like, that's him. I'm tuned to it because he's my father. Your Savior Christ still is speaking to you. Parents, here's a great book. Grandparents, here's a great book that I want you to get and purchase by Max Licato. It's called The Song of the King. I don't get any kickback. I don't get any royalties from it. Uh, Go and get this book. One day we're going to have this little, hopefully this little book uh, shop kind of thing to where you can come out of church and go, oh, that's the book Bill talked about. You can get it right there. But it's this wonderful story about hearing the song of the king, hearing the voice of the king, and helping train your children to hear this voice and to follow this voice above every other voice that's out there. For this voice speaks loudly, and it's the only true voice. You see, we have one shepherd. We have one mission. There's one voice that we're to listen to, and that we're called to speak and to tell people about one door. Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door There are no other doors to enter in to the pasture. There are no other doors to enter into the kingdom. So as we go out and we have this mission and we go out, we're declaring that there's only one door. There is that exclusivity of the gospel which repels so many people. And it's sad that it repels because what it should do is draw people in to say that there's even a door. That God is so merciful and so gracious that he allowed a door at all. For us to go through. And Jesus says, I am that door. Enter through me. You don't get to go to pasture. You don't get to go to safety. You don't get to go to heaven itself. Unless you come through him. The door. And so what we have to present is Christ in all of his beauty. And in all of his exclusivity. And not be ashamed of that. We don't have to apologize to that. You have to be winsome in the way you present it. But to be able to say there is only one door. And that door is not through your good works. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you come to church. I'm glad you go uh, to life groups. I'm glad that, you, that you're generous in your finances. I'm glad, but those aren't doors to get you into heaven. Christ is the only door. Your self-righteousness and your good morality and your good works uh, and all that you have, those things won't get you into heaven. They're not doors. There's only one door and it's Christ. And it's being willing to look at Christ and go, I'm with him and I enter through him alone and in no other way for too often we think that we're going to get into heaven because our our uncle was an organist in the church or our mother uh, was the leader of the choir uh, or our father was a pastor or uh, I'm just in attendance or my mom was this or my dad was that or my grandparents was that there's no coattails we enter through one door Christ alone and we enter on our own on that one.
And so we have one shepherd. We have one mission. We hear and respond to one voice. That we don't respond to a stranger's voice. Parents, pray this for your children. Pray that they don't respond to strangers' voices. Pray that they'd be deaf to them regularly. And they would hear only the voice of their Savior. Children, pray for your parents in the same way. That there's one door and that there's one message that we have. Jesus came and he said, I proclaim one message and one message only. And in Luke 4, I'm jumping through another gospel, but in Luke 4, verses 18 to 21, he says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He walked into the synagogue. He picked up the roll, the scroll of the, of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened it up to what we say now uh, is in written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Christ was saying there is one message and the message is this, that Christ came into the world to save the lost. He came to declare freedom to those who were in bondage. He came to give life to the dead. He came to present to the world himself crucified. That's our message, and that's our only message. Charles Spurgeon said that he would preach that every single week in the pulpit because his congregation forgot it every single week. That we present Christ crucified I'm really not good at presenting to you how to have a better marriage in seven steps. I'm 22 and a half years into it and I'm still not very good at it. I'm not really great at telling you how to be a wonderful dad uh, in 10 days or less because my boys will tell you that I mess up an awful lot. I'm not one to tell you that this is the way to financial peace uh, or this, but what I can do and what the message from this pulpit will constantly be and hopefully applied into all those other areas, it'll be this. You need to know Christ more than anything else in this world. And then when you know Christ and see who you are in Christ and you understand then that in Christ, I am to love my wife as Christ loved the church. Well, I need to know how Christ loved the church. And he died for her. And gave himself for her. That one day he could present the bride to the father. Perfect and blameless. Therefore I can go. Oh because I know this one message of Christ dying for the church. To present her to the father one day. That part of my role in the life of my wife. Is this to die to myself so often. That one day when I look to the father. And he says Bill I gave you Lisa for those years. Is she more like my son Christ. Because she was married to you. Then I learn an awful lot about how to be a husband. And I learn an awful lot about how to be a father. And I learn an awful lot about how to be a son. And you can learn a lot about how to be a daughter and a student and a player on the field of play and a business person and a grandparent. You can learn an awful lot by learning about Christ and his message that as I come and apply to myself the beauty of I was lost and now I'm found. That I was dead and now I'm alive. That I owe everything to him. Then there is absolutely nothing he can ask me. That I can't say yes and amen to. If he says to me, Bill, stay with your wife for all of your life and love her well. I can do that. Because of him who strengthens me. And he says to you young people who aren't married or those of you who aren't married any longer. He's saying to you, be pure 
in your sexuality, be pure physically uh, in your relationships, you can say, because I know Christ and how costly his love was for me, I can do this for a season of life knowing that I get Christ. And you can say, be generous with your finances. And you have been, by the way, so generous. I applaud you in that. Your generosity is incredibly humbling to those of us in leadership here. But he's saying, if you know Christ, and you realize what you've gained in Christ, then we can be generous to the world around us because our life didn't come through this stuff. And we read Deuteronomy 8 and we realize that he's the one who gave us our wealth anyway. So we can trust him at every step along the way. So we have one message. You know what your neighbor needs to hear who doesn't know Christ? They need to hear that Christ came and died for them. That he is alive and that he's coming back again one day. You don't want to know it's your, your roommate. You don't know it's your, your friend in school. Your co-worker needs to hear that there is a God. And he created this world perfectly. And sin entered into this world. And death entered through sin. But there was a promise made that there was one who was going to come. And it was going to be Jesus Christ who would redeem this world. And he would go through his own blood and through his own sacrifice. That he would buy back those who were lost. He would present them to the Father and we'd have full life in Him and heaven itself given to us. That's what they need to hear. Are you willing to share with them that message? You know, some of us would then say, I don't have the power to do that. Well, that's the great next point. There's one authority that you've been given. We have one message, but we have one power, one authority. Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. And implied in that, he says, and now I leave my spirit with you. I now give you that authority. I now give you this power. I now have taken up residence within you that I now live my life vicariously through your life. And you have all the power that you need in this life that you can stand firm and that you can be bold and you can present this gospel and you can entrust it to the world out there because you go out and we just indiscriminately present the gospel not knowing who the sheep are and who the non-sheep are. We just simply present it out because the interesting thing is this. It's not based on our manipulation. It's not based on how good we are, how excellent we are. It's not based on any of that stuff. Should we try to present excellence to the world? Of course we should. But it's not based on that. It's based on the power of Christ in me that then goes out and changes. You see, the power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that raised you from the dead, is the power that will raise your loved one and your neighbor from the dead as well. And what you have to do is in that power, present it and say, God, do your work. God, do your work. In this person's life. We believe that through the power of the gospel. That social structures can be broken down. That the poverty cycle in this country can be broken down. If the power of God is realized within those settings. That we believe the breakdown of the family can be overturned by the power and the authority of God given to us. We believe that broken marriages can be brought back together. We believe that children who are wandering off can be brought back. We believe that incredible things can happen because of the power of God at work in us. Do you believe that? Well, if you do, then we should go in that authority and we should get busy. We should believe that if we go love on a little child and we help them learn to read and write, and we do it in the name of Jesus, something powerful for eternity can happen in that child's life. Even though everything, every statistic that you read says that child won't break the bonds of poverty the child won't be able to assimilate into our culture from, because they're from another country south of the border maybe. 
that they're from Africa, they're from Europe, they're from someplace else. But if we believe in the power of the gospel, it can transform not just individual lives, but entire systems. I sat in our life group. I love our life group. And I hope, how many of you all are involved in a life group? Let's do this so I can see you. That's good stuff. The rest of you, I'd encourage you. I got the pleasure of sitting in our life group and hearing the testimony that an entire family now of generations was changed because a grandmother who had only heard uh, the church in Latin in the Catholic church got a hold of an English Bible and was able to read it and through that came to faith and generations have been changed because she read a Bible. Isn't that amazing? She read a Bible. And we go, I got 30 of these on my, on my shelf. And we wonder why the Gideons do what they do. Because they believe that if you put a Bible in the hand of somebody and they read it through the power and the authority of God, they can come to faith and entire generations will be changed because a Bible was handed out. That's awesome stuff. Because it's not about the Gideons. It's, not about, it's about the power of God at work. And then finally, we need to end with this. There's one flock. There's one flock, there's one church, and that we stand united with churches who believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they're not our enemies on this island, and they're not our enemies in Bluffton. This week, I, I was able, or last week, I was able uh, to be with Tom Clymer, who's at Trinity EPC. I was able to be this week with Jeff Cranston. I was able to talk this week with Sam Joyner, uh, who was out at Uh, Grace uh, Coastal. Uh, I was able to talk to Todd Cullen and be with him for a few minutes who's at Hilton Head Island Community. Uh, That I was able to talk with uh, the pastor at uh, Island Lutheran and at Grace Community Church uh, and at other churches. Why? Because we stand for one faith. They're not my enemies. That we want to stand together and we want to see the gospel of Jesus Christ go out. That's why Tim Pitzer has relationship uh, with FCA and with Young Life because we're not in competition with them. We're in partnership with them to see the gospel go out into the world and to reach young people for Jesus Christ. There's one church and we don't have an exclusive right to say this is it. There's one church bringing together all kinds of people in the world and it should stun the world around us. I love the group that we have here and I hope over the years it becomes even more diverse in the backgrounds and the different kinds of people that come because we believe in the power of God to break down walls and it comes to see one church powerfully going out into the world. There's a lot of ones that I gave you today. I hope you have that list with you and you consider these things where Jesus says, I came into the world. I came to find some other sheep. There's other sheep out there and we're to go and we're to help find them and speak in Jesus' name. I'll end with this today. Next week, you're going to be given the opportunity. You see, I spoke about your generosity. Matt, you guys can come on up as I'm finishing here. I spoke about your generosity, and you have been so overwhelmingly generous. And to you who are visitors, we don't talk about money all the time, but money is a means to an end. And in your generosity, you have provided not only for that new building, you've provided for this staff, you've provided for expansion of all kinds of different things. On Christmas Eve, you were so generous to the widows in our uh, denomination that over $3,000 came in on that one evening uh, to give to these women who have served faithfully with their husbands for all those years. You've been faithful and generous in giving to world missions. 
But as I was crunching the numbers and looking, we have about $120,000 committed to about 39 missionaries uh, serving locally and abroad. The church, through its own operating budget, gives a good portion of that. We tithe our operating budget. Everything that comes into our church, uh, from your generosity, we tithe that and give. But there's a gap in there, and this year the gap is 40000 Hmm? Twenty? Well, that's after commitments. of So there's a $40,000 gap between what the church gives uh, and where we want to be. Now, 20000 of that is committed by six families in our church. But there's still 20000 that we don't have. And so what I want to put in front of you, and you're going to have the opportunity next week, is this, to pray. Six, only six families within our church give, at least through our church, to do and to accomplish this mission uh, to the world and to our country. And so I'd love to see that number expanded. I'd love for Peter, uh, where's Peter File? Peter's in the back row. You've got to get here early to get the back row, by the way, uh, So uh, with the cushioned seats. But uh, Peter is one of our elders and leads a wonderful team of folks who are prayerfully considering. And so next week, that'll be presented to you. And I hope that you, again, will show your generosity. Not one penny of that spent within this church. But it goes out to support others who are out on the field uh, doing these things. So let's prepare for that. And let's pray now. Father, thank you for this time together. Would you bless us in it? Would we know you and see Christ, his vision and mission? Would we hear his voice and go out in his power and speak his message? Father, thank you for your generosity to us. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.